Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Last week I covered the James Wan film The Conjuring. It's only natural that I would do The Conjuring 2. Of course, The Conjuring 3 comes out today. With my release schedule, I will not be able to get to that until next week. But this allowed me to go back and revisit the first two films in the series. So here we go. This is the 2016 James Wan directed The Conjuring 2. With the first Conjuring film, director James Wan took an unreleased case of Ed and Lorraine Warren as the basis for his first film in the Conjuring series. With the first being an unreleased case, it's almost fitting that James Wan would go ahead and do a very well documented case, a case that is pretty much been proven to be a hoax. That is the Enfield Poltergeist Haunting. It's a haunting that is almost like England's version of the Amityville Horror. Maybe something happened, maybe it didn't. It seems that the more they tried to investigate it and try to prove that it actually happened, well, that's when it falls apart. Since the Enfield Poltergeist Haunting is more or less England's answer to the Amityville Horror as far as well-documented famous haunting cases, it's an interesting thing that James Wan chose to make this a actual direct sequel to the first Conjuring film. At the end of the first Conjuring movie, they actually make reference to a case in New York, which would be Amityville, or the Amityville Horror to be correct. It's fascinating that he chose to open The Conjuring 2 with The Amityville Haunting. The Conjuring 2 pretty much picks up right where the first one left off. We get our reintroduction to the Warrens at the Amityville house. It's neat that he decided to include this. This is also where we get our first glimpse of the nun. It's also the first time where we're getting our first spell of disbelief and that we're watching a movie. This is a fictionalized account. This is not a very accurate account. I think where the first one set the feeling of what we were going to get and what type of movie, this one goes and sets the expectation level almost immediately here. To the best of my knowledge, The Nun is not an actual real character. I could be wrong, I didn't research it that far. But yes, this is our first spell of disbelief. We see Lorraine Warren have her first vision of The Nun while she's having her vision of Ronald DeFeo murdering his family in the Amityville house. Considering the character of The Nun, this demon winds up more or less becoming the villain by the end of the movie. I guess we're supposed to believe that maybe the nun had an influence on the Amityville horror? I don't know, I'm just throwing stuff out there right now, but it kind of makes me think that way. So again, it's a fictionalized account of a real story, even if the story may be fictional in itself. In a way, it kind of bothers me a little bit that we're supposed to think that this whole thing is real. They're telling a real story here but yet they pretty much came out and said it at the very beginning of the movie that this is going to be fictionalized. They did that by including their own fictional creation. I think James Wan got a lot more flashy with his direction here for The Conjuring 2. The first film had an old meets new type of feel about it. 
it's highly stylized yet had a classic horror movie feel. The Conjuring 2 has a very modern feel about it. I don't mean that the flashier direction is a detractor. James Wan still holds some somewhat long shots, not as much here, but he still knows how to build tension. It just feels different here. I think the movie is still well made, I just prefer the first Conjuring films look better. A prime example of this is filling it with different songs of the era along with different shots of England itself because we're supposed to know it's in England. I get that, but it's very much feeling that it doesn't really feel like the time it's supposed to be in. Instead, it's what somebody thinks that time is supposed to be. And maybe that's because James Wan didn't live through it. I myself didn't live through it, so it doesn't feel entirely authentic here. It's tough to describe, but that's where I just want to say it doesn't feel authentic. It's the easiest way to describe it. Another problem I have with The Conjuring 2 is the fact that it seems to really want to lay out new characters where Annabelle was actually a real doll that is supposedly really haunted. We have the nun here, which is an original creation. We also have the Crooked Man. Of course, I did a 31 Nights of Frights on a movie called The Crooked Man, which is based off the nursery rhyme of The Crooked Man. It's just that the movie, to me, it seems like they really wanted to try to push this Conjuring universe forward by including these characters. I'm 100% fine with it. I just think that it kind of dilutes the original main Conjuring series. We got our movie for The Nun. We were supposed to get a movie for The Crooked Man. The Crooked Man, I hope, doesn't get made. I would hate to see them continue to more or less ruin The Conjuring series. The more movies you have, in my opinion, it's going to ruin it. This is all because their first spinoff, Annabelle, was a somewhat success. I personally think that movie is awful. I tried to watch it uh, once, never went back to it. I wound up falling asleep. It was incredibly boring to me and it wasn't scary. As far as the other Conjuring spinoff films, I've seen The Nun, I've seen Curse of La Llorona, which is interesting because The Curse of La Llorona is actually a spinoff of the spinoff. It's bizarre to me that we have a spinoff of a spinoff. So The Conjuring 2 really seemed like it wanted to, I don't know, just go and fill it with these characters so that they could make these other films. They had that Crooked Man film in development. And thinking about it now, it's like I really wouldn't go to see something like that. Getting back to how this one feels different than the first film, James Wan fills this movie with jump scares really quick in the movie. He tried to build up tension in the first film by just having lots of strange little weird things happen before all hell broke loose by the end of the movie. This one here, we have jump scares all over the place. I don't think any of them really work either. I think the first film worked really well specifically because it made us work for those jump scares. We were anticipating them. This one here, we're getting jump scares and weird stuff happening within the first few minutes of being introduced to the characters of the Enfield haunting. The one that really gets top billing here, and rightfully so, is the actress that plays 
young Janet. Janet is 11 years old. She seems to be the catalyst for all this weird stuff happening in her house. She's also the one that could speak in different voices, seemingly disembodied voices. One of them being Bill, who we also get to hear the real tape at the end of the movie, which is nice. It seems like they may have used the real voice in the movie itself. If they did, then that's pretty cool. If not, it's very close to what the original tape actually was, so I like that they tried to put a little bit of authenticity into all the fabrication here. There is a little bit of a difference too because the Enfield haunting it seemed to stop when the media coverage stopped on it. British paper, The Mirror, was actually going and covering it for quite a while and it seems like they lost interest when it came out that it's a good possibility that it might be a hoax. Whether it's a hoax or not, it seemed weird that all of a sudden you stopped just hearing about it, maybe because it stopped being reported on. I don't know, but adult Janet herself even went and said, well, it just stopped. Seems weird to have a haunting, all of a sudden it stops. I don't quite understand that. We're also led to believe in the movie that Bill, Bill Wilkins to be exact, is the one that's doing all the haunting and all the stuff in the movie, but no, it appears it was the nun who was using Bill. Bill, I guess, was there originally, but the nun, was using Bill to carry out her evil plan to bring Ed and Lorraine Warren to England because she couldn't kill them at home in the United States. I don't know. In reality, the more you think about the movie, the more you think about the things that don't actually work. This is the first time I watched the movie in, what, about five years since it came out? I don't regret watching it again. It's actually a really good movie. As I stated in my Conjuring, Adam analyzes. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are great as Ed and Lorraine Warren. They really do capture, I think, like a caring relationship for one another. It worked in the first Conjuring film really well, and it works here really well. It should be no surprise as they had great chemistry there. They got it here. I like that the movie almost doubled down on their relationship as well as their going the extra mile to help somebody out. I feel like as much as they got wrong in this movie, the characters of Ed and Lorraine Warren are really the characters that they got right and drive the point home that they're really the heart and soul of the Conjuring series. And hey, if you ever wanted to hear Patrick Wilson do a rendition of some Elvis music on a guitar, this is your movie. So I know that it sounds like I'm extremely negative on The Conjuring 2. I'm not, really. It's only not great when you compare it to the first film. The movie does have an anthology type of feel, so that works well. You could watch The Conjuring 2 without seeing The Conjuring 1 be perfectly fine. It's just that if you do watch them in order, you get a little bit more out of the characters of Ed and Lorraine Warren themselves. Of course, if you watch The Conjuring 2 before watching Conjuring 1, you may think that it's a great horror film, where in reality, it's not. Where the first one, I think, is an excellent movie, I think The Conjuring 2 is just maybe good or possibly even very good. It only doesn't succeed when you compare it to what came before it. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. 
You can also reach me at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. That's, of course, if you don't do the whole social media thing. I do have a website, adamanalyzes.com. You can catch up on past episodes there. And if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as create new content. But with that being said, be kind and good night.